0: theriseabovesummit.com. It will be linked in the show notes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Go and find it in my social media. Get your free ticket. And after you get your free ticket, you will be given the opportunity to upgrade to our VIP pass. And our VIP pass means that you can watch any of these sessions whenever you want. Because the one thing about putting on such an amazing summit with such a big and amazing lineup is that we can't fit them all in two days. And in order to fit them in, we're doing tracks. So you will get to pick between three different speakers of which one to watch live. And unless you've got the VIP pass, you won't be able to watch the speakers that you've missed. So do check that out as well. It's honestly going to be amazing. I am so very excited about it, and I can't wait to see you there. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast, episode 97. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast, and I'm your host, Teresa Heathwaring. If you're a marketer, business owner, or entrepreneur that is frustrated and overwhelmed with all the constant changes in digital marketing and social media, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Each week, I share with you easy, insightful, and actionable steps that you can use to grow your business. So let's get started. Hello and Happy New Year. So, you might be listening to this just before the new year, you might be listening just after, you might be listening in the middle of the year, and therefore that makes no sense whatsoever. But this episode came out just before the new year for the new year, which will be 2020. So, if you are listening at the time, then yeah, happy new year. Hope you have a good one. Okay, so I'm just gonna jump in today's episode because I've been batching content. If you don't batch, definitely recommend it. Definitely have a think about it going forward. So I'm actually recording this at the end of November, and obviously it's not going out till the end of December, but it's so nice to think that I've got all the episodes done between now and then. It's lovely. And also, because I have a team that do stuff with the podcast, so I have someone that edits, someone who writes the show notes, someone that then manages the whole process, it just gives them and me time to get it all done. So yeah, I'm a little bit tired because I don't know like of talking, and although I can talk for Britain, I've kind of talked about loads of different stuff, so I'm just going to jump straight in with this episode. I've decided that this episode is a going to be a solo because as I talked about in the last episode because it's a busy time of year for you guys I didn't want to put an episode out which was an interview and then have them maybe not get as many listens as they might do normally and secondly I want to talk about kind of going back to basics on some stuff. So what I'm going to talk about today is branding. Now I don't often talk about designy stuff and branding stuff because I am not a designer. Let's just get that straight right away. I don't want any designers listening to this thinking, what are you talking about? You're not a designer. I'm talking about branding and design coming from a marketer's point of view. However, I have obviously worked with a designer. I have a designer in the team who constantly takes the mickey out of me because I think I've got an OK eye at things. And he just like, oh, when did you get your design degree? And I'm like, yeah, OK, fair enough. So We've got a designer in the team. I've worked with loads and loads of designers. I used to work in a marketing agency, other than my own, that had a fleet of designers, and yeah. So I've had lots of experience, but I'm not a designer, so I'm not necessarily coming at this from this point. But there's some things, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because I've had two people that I've been consulting for recently, and they have been setting up a new business. And it's not often that I speak to people, and um, they're part of my 90-day program, that are starting a business from scratch. So. I've ended up having conversations with them about their brand because they haven't actually yet come up with a logo or a brand. So, let's just talk about those two things. Well, first off, what's the difference between a logo and a brand? I'm not going to give you the theory. What does a brand mean? I'm going to give you like the straight up what I think is the difference. So, a logo is the thing that is your main thing. It's your logo. It's your identifier, and that's just standalone. That's one thing. Whereas your brand is everything that goes with it. So your logo might be your initials or it might be the name of your business. Maybe it's got an icon with it that permanently sits with the logo, but that's not your brand, that's just your logo. And what you have to remember, firstly, is that when you see a logo, it's very rarely on its own. So your logo is very rarely stuck on something that isn't part of your brand. So for instance, I'm just trying to think of all the places you'd find my logo. So we've got uh, my website, but obviously it's a whole website full of stuff. So the brand is very evident there. You might see my logo on social media, but again, it's amongst all the other stuff that's on there. And my brand is very relevant and stands out on there. Where else might you see? You might see an email signature, but it's probably got some other things with it. Even like because the brand includes things like the fonts and the colors and any images and the style of images. And are you going to use photos? Are you going to use illustrations? So it's all those considerations. And what was really interesting, I was having a conversation the other day and someone was saying to me how they can spot my stuff without even knowing it's from me because it's so stylized in a certain way. And what's interesting is this person said that that is not their style at all. However, they totally get that it's my style and therefore it makes perfect sense for me. And what's interesting when I talk about brands and things, if you've ever seen me on screen, which if you've ever seen a live or seen me do anything in my office, you'll see that even the colors of the walls or the accessories, they still sit with my brand colors. And I wouldn't say that necessarily that was done totally on purpose but what I'm saying is that that's the stuff I like. So therefore it's no wonder that it reflects my brand because obviously I'm going to have a brand that I like. So yeah, I've got a couple of things then just to kind of give you some heads up. This isn't going to be a super long episode, but I thought it was important because I don't think I've ever done an episode on this. So if you are coming up with a brand, the very first thing I want you to do is obviously someone is going to create this logo artwork branding for you, And I want you to think about who that might be, because there are lots of people who say to me, Teresa, my husband, my sister, my dad, my brother, my mum, my whoever, they like to draw, or they are a clothes designer, or they are creative, or they are this, or that. I'm going to get them to do my logo. And Although in essence, that's absolutely fine. And I understand that budgets are tight when you're first starting. And I was very lucky that one of my friends at the time just happened to be a designer. And therefore my very first logo, which I still use actually for the agency, was designed by them and they knew me very well. So again, it represents me well. However, my only concern would be, as I said, and I joke with my designer that I've got a good eye for things. And I think I have. Lots of the stuff you see on social media, is designed by me. I'm not a designer and therefore I wouldn't do my own logo because that is so different. Coming up with a brand and a concept and a logo is given to designers for a good reason because they're good at doing that stuff. So even if someone's creative, even if someone can draw well, even if someone has painted something brilliant and beautiful and they're very talented when it comes to that, even if they're a designer but in another aspect, i.e. a furniture designer or a product designer it's completely different skill sets. So I would urge you pretty much 99% of the time that if you are going to get someone to do a logo, that you get someone who is a graphic designer and that you can see their work and they've been recommended to you. I don't really work. I only really work with Matt, my designer who works, has worked with me the whole time I've had the business. So five plus years. And I'd worked with him previously before then at another place. And I trust him implicitly. He knows me. He knows how I brief him. We know how we work together. He's great. I would struggle to find another designer. I have tried to in the past only because we got really busy. However, without good recommendation, it was really difficult. So that's the first thing I would say is try and find a graphic designer, try and get a recommendation. And also just kind of keep in mind sort of pricing and things. Don't actually... Don't throw loads and loads and loads of money at this. Obviously, I want you to throw a bit of money at it, but don't like I used to work for an agency when we did a brand for someone. It was like two, three grand as business owners, small business owners do not pay that for that, because I promise you, it does not take that amount of money or that amount of time necessarily. But again, different horses, different courses. So, you know, that's cool anyway. So you're going to get a brand, you're going to get someone to design this for you. And hopefully they're going to be a graphic designer. But again, I totally get if money's a problem, but remember, this is your shop front. This is your, this is how people are going to judge you and view you and look at you. And if it's something that you've put together and it looks a little bit amateurish, and I'm really careful to say, cause I don't want to offend anybody, but if it does look a bit amateurish, then that's exactly what they're going to think of you and your brand. So I just want you to bear that in mind and I want you to think about some of the brands that you interact with and what you read into them. So one example I give about branding and customers is supermarkets. So obviously I know I have lots of you listening in the States and I'm here in the UK, but we have Asda, which is owned by Walmart. Now I don't know where Walmart is in the kind of level of stuff, but I know if you take like a lower supermarket and I can't think of which one it is, but anyway, Take a like lower end supermarket and then take like your Whole Foods or We Have Waitrose. And what you'll see is the branding on their stuff is so very different. So if you walked into an Asda supermarket, which is your lower end or, you know, deemed as the lower end supermarket, you'll see that they use really primary colours because they're the most attractive and most outstanding. They will use really bold positioning on price. So it's all about how much it costs. It's all about buy two, get one free. It's all about something's half price. They use big, bold fonts. They have their logo on everything. It's really distinctive, but it's really fairly aggressive looking. And like I said, their branding is all around price and bulk for families. But then you look at Waitrose and when they put an advert out in a magazine, and again, Whole Foods might be the same, I'm not entirely sure, but that's the kind of level I'm talking, is that they might put something out in a magazine and you barely notice the logo on it, but it's much more muted colors. It's much more complex fonts, if you like. And complex maybe isn't the right word, but it's not, you know, big, bold in your face fonts. It's the messaging is less about them and less about price and less about families. And it's more about quality and treatment of animals and that sort of thing. So, I want you to imagine that. So for instance, if you have got a high-end product or you are selling something for quite a lot of money, then for sure invest in someone to do that logo for you. Because if you're going to whip together a clip art logo or something that you can do yourself in Canva, and don't get me wrong, I adore Canva and I use it myself, but I wouldn't create a logo in it. So it is totally worth investing that money. Again, saying that, though, even if you sell a low-end product, I still wouldn't just like whip up a logo yourself. But... I think you could get away with it a little bit better if you were selling something that was cheaper. Okay. So you're going to get someone to this logo. What I want you to do is if you haven't gone onto Pinterest, go onto Pinterest and literally type in the word logos, brands, try putting the word of your industry first. So consultant logos or photographer logos or whatever you do, And just see what comes up. And what I want you to do is create a board. You can create a private board so it doesn't have to be available for the world to see. And I want you to literally just save images of things that you like. And you might need to make a note for yourself or just kind of remind yourself which bit it was that you liked about it. But was it the colour? Was it the font? Was it the styling? Was it the type of images? Was it the icons? Was it the design overall? What was it that you liked about that? The other thing that you can search in Pinterest is colour palettes. And what's really nice about that is because you don't just have one colour in a logo. You have a palette, a suite of colours. I do. I You'll know if you follow the podcast and you see my stuff on social media, I either use this particular dusky pink or I use a really nice blue. And that's part of my palette that I have. So I want you to go on and have a look at that. And I want you to save all these things because... Honestly, design is one of the most trickiest things in the world when it comes to personal opinion, because your designer, whoever you're getting to do it, could create something perfect and bang on for your customer. But if you don't like it, then you're not going to want it. So this is why you need to do your research first, because it's going to save a lot of heartache at the end, if you can say to someone and sit down with them and go, I need a logo and this is what I like. I like these type of fonts. I like these type of colours. I really want to use photos that look like this. I really want to use illustrations or I want to use icons or whatever it might be. At this point as well, I want you to think to the future. So let's say you are in an industry where you it's really sensitive information or you're not going to be able to take pictures of what you do or clients. If you suddenly decide you want your branding to have photos in it, what photos are you gonna use? Going forward, let's say you're doing a blog and you want a photo for every blog, what photos are you going to use? So I know that sometimes people get really caught down this trap where a designer can create something stunning and they have this vision of this is how it looks and they put all the right elements in the right place. And then when you take it and you then try and recreate that in a new blog post or in a new social media post, you're running out of images or you're running out of things that you can use. So think about those things as you're doing it. The other place to look for images, I've talked about these before, but have a look at Unsplash. I'll link to these in the show notes. If you go to teresaheathwaring.com forward slash 9797, then you'll be able to find that numbers, not words. Yeah, so Unsplash is great, Pexels is great, Pixabay is great. And basically, all of these are absolutely free stock images, as long as you're not then reselling them on. Obviously, always check their own terms and conditions, but they're free images that you can use. So, again, I would be thinking at the beginning, let's say you're starting a business and you want to do a blog and you're going to do one a month. Can you find 12 images that match? Can you find 12 images that will suit your blog for the next 12 blogs that you do? So have a think about that one as well, because that's a really good one. The other thing I want you to think about is that this is going to go on social media. Now, lots of designers now are much, much more savvier than they have been in terms of the fact that we need it for social media. So there were loads of old logos that have been around for a long time that just don't fit in social media because the logo is long and narrow or tall or whatever. And obviously now we have to get it into a circle So what I want you to think about when looking at what they design is, is it going to stand out when it's teeny tiny? Because when you think about you're on your phone, you're scrolling down Twitter or Facebook or whatever it is, that icon, that little circle where you're going to put your logo is really small. So any designs with loads of detail, loads of words is going to be really, really difficult. That's why an icon or an illustration or something that goes alongside your brand. So let's take McDonald's and the Golden Arches. Obviously, they could just put the Golden Arches on its own, as in the M, the gold M, and you'd know it's McDonald's. Nike could just put the tick and you would know it was Nike. There are loads of other brands. I'm sure you can think of lots that you think, I I don't even need to the name. I know that that's what it is. Now, obviously, when you first start, people are not going to know that. But if that's everywhere and you stick it on everything, then they are going to start to recognise that as your brand. So my first brand for my agency, which like I said still stands today, was just THW, and it was in this really nice bold kind of pinky red, and it is really good because it has a white background. So on a avatar in a small circle, there we go, you can see it really plainly. My next logo is my Teresa Heath wearing logo. I mean that is a big old name to squeeze into a logo, but we just about managed to do it succinctly. And also though. In that side of the business, it's me. So I don't tend to put the logo in avatar pictures in kind of profile pictures. I use my face. So again, if you are the business and the business is named after you, then you could always do that. But some people don't want to, and that's absolutely fine. So think about that. Can you fit the whole logo into that circle? If not, do you have an icon or something to represent it? I also want you to think about who is the logo for? Okay. So there's two areas. One, does the logo fit with you and represent you? So I think my designer has done a really good job of representing me in how my branding is, but also I had an input to it. So I was able to go, I like that. I don't like that. Or, and again, I gave him, this is brilliant. This isn't brilliant before he even started. So does it represent you? Because if you are the business, then that is I think quite important, because if I'm getting this really corporate looking logo and corporate looking branding, and then I meet you and you are not corporate in the slightest, then that's not going to quite add up. So does it represent you if you are the, if you are the business? And if not only that, does it represent or does it relate to your customers? So my stuff is a little bit feminine. And although I don't just go out for, targeting women at all. I happily target men and women. And I have men and women in the academy and clients and 90 day program. And, you know, so that's absolutely fine. Mine's just quite feminine because I like it. And I actually do attract more women than men. And that could be down to my my branding. It could be down because there is a pink and it is pretty. And I have got nice flat lays and that sort of thing in my imagery. So I want you to think about that again, if you are trying to go for corporate world, business to business, mostly men, let's say, then going with something really feminine looking is maybe not going to be the best thing for you just because they won't necessarily relate with that thing. Again, trying to look too corporate when actually you are a one man band and are very happy to promote yourself like that, then again, that might look a bit odd. So does it fit with you? Does it fit with your audience? And then the last thing I think that I want to come up with on this is when you've had your design done, so the first thing they're probably going to do is come up with the logo and it might be the logo on its own. And normally what we do in the past when we've done logos for people, we will literally go, here's a sheet of logos, tell us what you like and don't like. And you can start to get a steer and people tend to go, I really like that icon, but I prefer that text or I like that color, but I prefer this. So then what we do is once we kind of narrowed down the logo, we then start putting it on stuff because like I said, you never see it alone. So we create a cover image for their social media. We put it into how we'd imagine it go into a square to then put into those circles for social media. We might mock up a homepage of a website. We might do a banner for a website. We might create a social media post, but ideally you would get them to create these various other things because, and I want you to think about where are you going to need this? Are you going to need to produce pull-up banners? Are you going to need to produce a sign for outside? And I want you to try and write a list of where am I going to need this branding? And even if they don't design every element, because obviously if you're having a sign outside, if it's just your name then, or just your logo, then that's not a problem. You don't need them to design that as such. But talk to them about that and say, I do want to do a blog every month and I want to promote that blog on social media. Could you maybe create me one social media post which I can then replicate. So they've designed your stuff for you. There's going to be some things that you need. Most designers, once you've paid them, should hand over everything they have for you. So the artwork and all the different versions of the of the files that you need. You absolutely need a transparent PNG and I have them in white, black, grey and in color. So what that is is that's your logo that you can then put on top of other stuff. You can pull that into Canva. It's just a file, a PNG. So don't get too hung up on that. They know, the designer will know exactly what a transparent PNG is. You can then drag that into or upload that into Canva. And if you've got an image that you're going to use to social media, you can drop your logo on top and it won't be in a box and it won't look ugly. And the reason you have a white version, a black version, a gray version, and a color version is because depending on what you're dropping it on top of, you'll need all those different versions. So I always ask for them when they create something like a social media graphic. So obviously my designer helped come up with the podcast look and feel for the social media graphics. However, I would not pay him to do it every single week. And I don't need him to because it doesn't take a designer level of skill to swap out images and change text. So what I asked him to do and what you can ask your designer to do is if they've created something and it's got a nice pattern on or a graphic or an image or something that you're going to want to use again, again, ask for that on Transparency PNGs and then you can effectively rebuild that thing within Canva. So then you can just create a new one and a new one and a new one and then just change maybe the colour or change the font, or Obviously, within line of your branding, don't go crazy, obviously, but you can change the little elements that you need to change. But you will see on most of my stuff, I use a very similar look and feel. Sometimes some of the fonts might be tweaked up or whatever, but on the whole, they're pretty much the same. I like to use very white light pictures. I like to use flat lays, nice looking stationery. So that's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about what is the overall look that you're trying to go for, who are you trying to attract? And then, like I said, once your designer, whoever's come up with these things, which is another reason why you want a designer, because they will be able to give you all these various elements, is you then want to get those transparent PNGs. The other thing you want them to do is to give you an ESP. Is it an ESP? Yeah, it is an ESP. I'm sure it is. And basically, that's like an Illustrator file or a Photoshop file which means you can blow it up really, really big. So it's like a vector image. I'm throwing out all these words, pretending I know what I'm talking about. I do know a bit about what I'm talking about, but I'm not a designer. So if you're a designer listening to this, you're like, what are you talking about, Teresa? But basically you want to say to them, can I blow this logo up really big? And so for instance, if you ever need to do a pull-up banner or a big banner or a sign, you want them to give you, and like I said, it'll normally be like an ESP or a vector image and you want them to give you them as well, the chances are you might not need them, but as long as you've got it, you're not kind of caught unawares when you do want to suddenly blow it up and you can't because it's pixelated. That's another reason why it can be tricky if you're going to get someone to draw you something, because you would then have to get someone to turn that into a vector image, which means you can make it big. Anyway, I'm now going down a route of talking about words that I'm 80% sure I know what I'm talking about, but there's a chance I'm wrong. So we'll just leave it there. So I'm really hoping that's given you a few ideas. Like I said, a brand is a really personal thing. So doing that homework in Pinterest, Googling stuff, finding stuff that you like, taking screenshots of it, obviously don't go putting that anywhere because you'd be stealing people's stuff. But if you're just going to keep it for reference to then say to someone, I love this type of thing. I don't like that. I really want these type of colors, this type of font, this type of thing. Then that for me is like, the definite great start in terms of creating a brand and a logo. And like I said, don't forget those different versions that you're going to need for social media and for putting on stuff in the future. Okay. I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you've got a couple of bits from it and let me know what you think. It's always good to hear from you guys. I'm super excited about coming back in 2020 with yet more awesome episodes. I've batched a load of content. I've got some great episodes coming up. I've got one on content repurposing. I've got one on selling. That's a great one. I've got one on going from chaos to calm, which is actually one of my team members. So that's super cool to have her on. I've got one on podcasting. I've got loads of good stuff. And then I've got a super special one for episode 100. So make sure you look out for that. Anyway, I will leave you to it now because I think I'm just about done talking for today. And I will catch up with you next week. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, then I would love it so very much if you were happy enough to head over to iTunes and give me a review.